Well, hey everyone, Pastor Stephen here, and I want to thank you for checking out this message from Journey Church. I hope that it encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus than ever before. If you are joining us today online or through the live stream, we are so excited that you are with us. However, we are not meant to do life alone, so don't let online media be a substitute for an actual community of faith and fellowship. God created us to do life with one another so that we can grow together on life's journey. We hope that you enjoy this message from God's Word. It's not about uh, wondering when the Lord will return. We have been looking at that and wondering about when the Lord will return, but it's more about what will we be doing when the Lord returns. Will we be prepared? Will we be ready? Will we be working for him up until the day he returns? Uh, I, I've got three just quick, uh, quick things, uh, all starting with the letter B here today. First, the band. Uh, I want to thank the band. Uh, I just so appreciate Pastor Stephen and all he does with the band. And... Uh, they are so fantastic. <clears throat> and then baptisms, I want to make mention of that. You heard that announcement about this baptism service we're going to do. If you've never been baptized, you have received Jesus in your heart and in your life, but you have never been baptized, I want to encourage you to sign up and do that. It's a special time in the life of the church and in yourself if you're the one getting baptized, and I would encourage you uh, to do that. Think about that. Pray about that and uh, sign up and get baptized <clears throat> during those, um, those two services on the 28th. And then finally, you may notice a change here. You may be looking at me thinking, well, there's something different. I can't put my finger on it, and it's because I shaved. And um, so the third B is beard. My beard is gone, and uh, <clears throat> I, after a couple of years, just, I don't know, just felt like shaving it. And I just wanted to tell you the two reactions that I got from it. First was from my wife. She was so excited because she loves kissing me so much, and she loves the beard being gone because then she loves to kiss me. So um, uh, that's just a benefit. And then my grandson, though, he, his first reaction was, you look awful. <laughs> uh, you need to grow it back. <laughs> I want your whiskers back. That was his first statements, this little four, almost five-year-old. So I don't know who's going to win out, Jennifer, who wants to kiss me more, or my grandson, who wants to look up to me. So we'll see how that goes. You'll know the answer if I start growing it back. Uh, you'll know whose opinion is more <laughs> valuable. We are in our series uh, of in-game messages, and I want to I make mention of something today, something I decided in talking over um, this past week with, uh, with well, I was talking it over with Jennifer, my wife, and uh, <clears throat> this in-game series, I could stretch this on for probably two years because there is so much depth and so much detail in the Word of God, and it's almost overwhelming uh, to understand it. And so what I had decided to do was really cover these last few messages and try to wrap up the in-game series, uh, series by Easter. So that would mean there's eight messages uh, left, um, including today's message, because it's so in-depth, though, and I want to cover so much more, I've decided that I'm going to start 
In two weeks on the 21st, I'm going to start an afternoon Bible study here at the church in the sanctuary from 4 to 5 p.m., uh, and we are going to go through the in-depth parts. So some of you, that may really, um, that just may really uh, motivate you. You may want to know more. We're going to go through the book of Revelation. We're going to tie in Daniel, Ezekiel prophecies. We're going to look at all of this along with uh, everything that Jesus says, everything that Paul says. And so we're going to do more of an in-depth Bible study. And that will go on for a period of time. And I don't know how long that just may go on indefinitely. Well, we're going to look at prophetic events that are happening around the world. Uh, every week and tie it into what the Bible actually says. So that will be from 4 to 5 p.m. in two weeks here in the sanctuary. And if you cannot be here, it will be live streamed and it will be recorded. So it will be available on our website and on our YouTube page so you can get on and be a part of that later. So in the remaining few weeks, we're going to wrap up this. Now this is, this in-game series is almost like a 10,000 foot view of what what the Word of God says about what is happening in the end. There are so many in-depth things that we are going to go through, but today we are going to continue looking at what Daniel talked about, and that was from last week. And by the way, if you were in first service last week and you want to know more, I would, go, I would encourage you to go back and watch last week's video from second service because I felt like second service was explained so much better than first service was. So I apologize to you first service people that were here last week. Get on and watch that because I think it will be very helpful to watch the first part of that, which is the empire at the end of all things. Now today is the second part. It is again the empire at the end of all things. And today we are going to look at part two of this message. And it's really going to have three parts to this message. <clears throat> then we're going to look at the antichrist what the Bible talks about is the Antichrist, and then we are going to look at the parables that Jesus uses to sum up all of these events that are going to happen at the end of Matthew 24 and all of Matthew 25. So let's dive in today and look again at the words of Jesus in Matthew 24, and as I lay out some of the events that are happening in the world today, and I lay out some of the events that the Bible specifically says, and it said it, uh, it said it probably 500 years before Jesus, maybe 600 years before Jesus came on the scene. So this was probably 2,500 years ago that Daniel gave these prophetic events that were going to happen in the end of all things. Jesus... In Matthew 24, again, let's look at these words, picking it up in 24, verse 15, and here's what those words say. Now, again, Jesus had said all of these preliminary events that were the beginning of the birth pangs, and you remember all of those because we've covered those in depth and in detail. Then he gives the catalytic event that will help you know what the end of all things is going to look like, and it is this event called the abomination of desolation, this event that is the transgression, Daniel calls it, of abomination. So one of those, you can use those two words, the abomination of desolation or the transgression of desolation, I should have said. Okay, so Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, that is a rebuilt temple that will have to be rebuilt in Jerusalem, when you see this person standing there, according to what Daniel says, Jesus just said, let the reader understand, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. In other words, get out of town. Because as soon as you see these things happening, flee, run, get out of there. This is not talking about 
us in Gillette, Wyoming having to flee our homes, this is specifically to the events in Jerusalem itself. When you see these events, flee to the mountains. The one who's on the roof, don't go down. Don't go into your house. Don't go down to take what is in your house. The one who is in the field, working in the field, a farmer in the field, don't go back. Don't go get your coat. Run, get out of there. Woe to those who are in that area, who are in that place, I'm not able to switch the slide here, Paul. All right, so woe to you to those who are in that place pregnant and those of you who are in that place that are nursing babies in those days because it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult to get out of there if you are pregnant or if you are nursing a child. It's going to, it's going to bog the whole process down. You need to get out of town when that happens, and it's going to be, a, it's going to be a, a hard thing to do. Pray that your escape will not happen in winter, because winters in Israel can be very cold. It can be very cold, and you've just left the house with nothing. Pray that your escape shall not be on the Sabbath either, or on Shabbat, because Shabbat, or the Sabbath, will also bog up things in that culture because of the Orthodox Jews that are there, because they won't move on the Sabbath day. They won't go anywhere because it's against tradition, it's against law to do that. So that's going to bog up the works. For then, at that time, when you see that abomination, when you see these events happening, there will be great trouble. This is the beginning of what's called the Great Tribulation, such as has not happened since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. And unless God intervened, unless God finally intervenes and returns in wrath with the sword, if he did not do so, if those days were not cut short, no one would be delivered. No one would survive it. But for the sake of the chosen, those days will be cut short. Then, if anyone says to you, look, Here's the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and show great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the chosen. Now, what's interesting about that that I'm not going to go through, that I will go through on Sunday afternoons, is that fits hand in hand with Islamic prophecy about the end times prophetic event that will happen in Islamic prophecy of the rise of what they call their Messiah, the rise of their kingdom fits hand in hand with what Jesus just said. If you see false messiahs doing wonders, doing signs, don't be led astray because they will try to lead you astray, even the chosen people. See, I've told you beforehand, Jesus says, so if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. For, okay, for just as lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. That's when he will return. For wherever the carcass is, there the vultures will gather. But immediately after the trouble of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man. Now, you remember the original question that the disciples had, when are you going re to return? What should we be looking for? What are the signs? What are the signs of your return? Jesus now says, then the sign that you were originally asking about is here. The sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, 
And then all the tribes of the land will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a great trumpet, a great shofar, the blast of the ram's horn, and they will gather together his chosen from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. This is the first time that Jesus is ever referred to or ever referenced in any manner the gathering of his chosen people, the gathering of his saints, and it comes at the end of all of the events that Matthew 24 says. Now, he gave one clue, and this is the clue that we started with last week. He said, if you really under, want to understand what is going on, then you need to understand the book of Daniel. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the second prophetic vision that Daniel gives in the book of Daniel about this end-time empire that is going to rise up that will create chaos and turmoil, not only in the world, but especially for Israel and Jerusalem itself. It will be called, in the Old Testament, Jacob's Trouble. Jacob is a reference to the book, or to the nation of Israel. Jacob was one of the original uh, one of the original sons, Jacob is where all of the 12 tribes come out of. Jacob, after wrestling with God, his name was changed to Israel. This will be called Jacob's trouble or Israel's trouble because it will be a trouble that they have never seen in the past. The Holocaust that happened in World War II will have nothing in comparison to the trouble that they're going to see at the end of all things. Let's pray and dive into this. Father, help me to speak for you. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Help us not to be afraid, but to recognize the events that are happening in the world around us. Help us to see the events, Lord, for what they are. Help us to be working for you up until the day you return, whether it is in our lifetime or our children's lifetimes. Lord, help us to be working for you up until the end. Father, I pray that you would help us to have settled hearts where we know you and we feel confident and certain that we are looking forward individually for your return. But Lord, help us to be sharing the good news of the gospel with others and helping them be excited for your eventual return. Lord, you laid all of this stuff out so that we could see it and we could understand it. Help us now, Lord, to hear from you. Help my words to be clear and help them to be of you. We surrender this time and we ask for your Holy Spirit to be our teacher. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so Jesus says, I want you to understand the book of Daniel. He says, if you want to understand the end times, understand Daniel. Now, last week, what we looked at was this. There was the first prophetic vision that Daniel had received, uh, and it wasn't actually to Daniel. It was to the king. It was to King Nebuchadnezzar. And the first vision was about the end. In fact, it even says, this is for the latter days, this is for the end days. So we can know that these are the events that will happen leading up to the return of Jesus. And Daniel is interpreting the king's dream. In the king's dream, he saw this great statue. And in this great statue that the king saw was this. It was a picture of a statue made of four different types of metals, actually five different types. First was a head of gold. Then you had an arm and chest of silver. You had a midsection and kind of, uh, kind of thigh section of bronze. Then you had iron at the bottom. 
But at the bottom, combined with the iron in the feet, there was this combination of iron and clay mixed together. Now, those were a representation, because Daniel says so. It was a representation of four great kingdoms that will happen in the world. The first kingdom that was going to happen was the Babylonian kingdom. It was going to be the kingdom that, was, that Daniel was a part of. That was represented by the head of gold, because that's what Daniel says. There will be another kingdom that comes after you. These kingdoms will rule the same region as Nebuchadnezzar ruled. They, this vision was given to Nebuchadnezzar so he could see all of these great kingdoms that would happen in his lands. This is not kingdoms that happen outside of those lands. These are kingdoms that will happen in the lands, covering the same lands as Nebuchadnezzar covered. So the first kingdom is the Babylonian. The second kingdom, the kingdom of, of silver, is the kingdom of Medo-Persia. It was the kingdom that would come after the Babylonian Empire. Following that empire, there would be the Greek Empire that would happen. The Greek Empire would, again, encompass the same lands, the same region. The fourth empire, that is the iron, that will then also turn into iron and clay in the feet and the toes... Many Bible teachers have wrongly assumed that this has to be Rome and it has to be a revived Roman Empire that will happen. More and more are waking up to the fact that it can't possibly be Rome. This is the Ottoman Empire that was the longest standing empire in the world covering the same lands that King Nebuchadnezzar covered. There are four reasons that I want to give you real quickly of why it has to be the Ottoman Empire that was the fourth kingdom. The Ottoman Empire was the same territory. Rome did not cover the same areas that the Ottoman Empire covered. It did not cover the lands that the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. It could have possibly been the eastern leg of the Roman Empire, but that eastern leg, which capital was Constantinople, that fell to the Ottoman Empire, and it would become Istanbul. Istanbul was the headquarters of the Ottoman Empire. It was the headquarters of the Islamic Caliphate that would be arranged there. The second thing is that this kingdom, we know, brings destruction. It goes in and it brings massive destruction. It calls it a crushing that would happen. The Romans were not interested in crushing. They were not interested in destroying everything. They were builders. They were not destroyers. They wanted to take over, but they wanted to build and not destroy. The third reason is that it says that in the feet, it is mixed with iron and clay. The word mixed in the original language that is used that Daniel is actually speaking is the word for Arab. It will be a mixed, it will be an Arab nation. That, again, does not fit the Romans. The fourth reason is in Revelation chapter 17, verse 8, it says this. God says, through an angel to John, the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I'm going to tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns, the beast that you saw and is not and, is yet, uh, and yet is about to rise up from the abyss and head for destruction. Those who dwell on the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because he was and is not and is to come. So this empire, the Ottoman Empire, 
will rise up once again. And that is the empire that it says that God will crush. The Ottoman Empire, that is a revived empire, will ultimately be crushed by God. Now, how do I know some of this, or what do I follow? And I was asked this question. What is it that I look at? What are the things that I follow to help understand this? And I want to encourage you, as I show you this next screen, I want you to take a picture of it, and I want you to follow these things. It doesn't take much time. It doesn't take much effort. Just follow these particular three or four things that I'm going to show you on the screen right now. What do I follow to understand this? Number one, you need to be watching every day a YouTube broadcast called Israel 7 News. You can find it on YouTube. Israel 7 News. It's a 10 to 15 minute daily clip. It's a Christian organization. It is a news broadcast, and all they do is cover Israel and the Middle East. Start watching that, and you will recognize and realize that these events are starting to coalesce and come together. Second thing I want you to do is watch CBN News. CBN News, the Christian Broadcasting Network, they have a weekly 30-minute program, and the weekly 30-minute program is called Jerusalem Dateline. Go watch Jerusalem Dateline. In fact, go back and watch it, the one that was just put out on Friday, and you will see the events that are happening, that they're covering, are the events leading up to the restoration and the reviving of this empire. Third thing I want you to do is pay attention to this YouTube broadcast called Behold Israel by Amir Safardi. Now, I don't agree with all of his theological stances, but he is a, these guys are all based in Israel, and he is reporting from the events that are actually happening on the ground there. Fourth thing I want you to do is download an app called the FAI app, that is Frontier Alliance Institute. They're based in the Golan Heights. They have incredible Bible studies and teaching, but they have a blog post called The Wire, and they cover from the ground the events that are happening there. In our news cycle, we don't hear any of the things that you're going to hear on these sites. If you want to read more books, I put some books up there that you can read as well that are fantastic that will help you in your understanding. So let me go back to this. How do we know that it's the Ottoman Empire that wants to return to the original caliphate, and how will that be the formation of this empire? The Ottoman Empire was defeated in 1922, it was actually defeated in World War II, but it became a secular nation, actually in 1923. A treaty was signed turning Turkey into a secular nation, and of this treaty, when that actually happened, the original Islamic caliphate was disbanded and, and uh, basically destroyed at that time. Because of the fall of the Ottoman Empire and the caliphate, it's what opened up the door for Israel to return back on the scene. The Middle East hates it that Israel is back on the scene. In fact, I was watching a clip from Israel 7 News this past week, and I was watching in Iran, they were doing a ceremony, and the thousands that were there at this ceremony were chanting in unison, death to Israel, death to America death to Israel, death to America. They do not like us. They hate Israel with a blood lust. They want Israel eradicated. 
It opened up Israel to come back as a country when the Ottoman Empire fell. A revived Ottoman Empire wants to cleanse the land, sanctify the land, and remove all trace of any Jew from the land. It is starting to happen with you, as you look at the Palestinian Authority and Hamas that are active in Israel. You see the enemies surrounding Israel. They want to cleanse the land from this. Now, the Turkish President Erdogan, who has been in office about 18 years now, he changed the Constitution so that he can be in office indefinitely. He has basically become a dictator. He has openly said and openly committed to restoring the original Islamic caliphate. This is not conspiracy. This is not speculation. This is out in the open, things that he has said. For example, a couple of years ago, they reported this story. He wants to restore the original caliphate as Erdogan threatens ancient Christian villages. His goal has been to restore the caliphate, the Ottoman Empire, the empire that was gone and is coming back. It will be revived and it will make war against Israel. He has made no secrets about this. Now, not everybody from Turkey believes this. Not ev- in fact, he's very unpopular in Turkey. There is a massive Christian church movement. A lot of Christians are coming to know the Lord in Turkey itself. A lot of people stand against him. But the regime wants to destroy Israel. The Iranic uh, regime as well in Iran. There are many Christians coming to faith in Iran, but the regime wants Israel absolutely destroyed without question. Now, I don't know if you've heard this over the course of this past summer, but in Turkey over the past summer, there was a big stir that happened regarding a church called the Hagia Sophia. Have any of you ever heard of that? The Hagia Sophia, maybe a handful of you in here have. The Hagia Sophia was the, one of the largest Christian churches ever built in the world. It is there in Istanbul, Turkey. It was a Christian church that started in 537 AD under the Roman Empire that was there. That church was taken over and turned into a mosque in 1453. When the Ottoman Empire fell, the new secular Turkish government took it back and turned it into a Christian museum. Beautiful place, beautiful Christian museum. It was, the word Hagia Sophia means divine wisdom. It was given to God. It was dedicated to the word of God, the logos of God. This summer, the Turkish president Erdogan uh, claimed and determined that he was going to turn that place back into a mosque. In fact, the Muslim imam that was there walked the steps of the Hagia Sophia back at the end of July with an Ottoman sword of conquest. They were turning the place back because they wanted all Christianity removed and they wanted the restoration of the original Islamic caliphate, the Ottoman Empire. And you think, well, maybe they just needed a place to worship. Well, right across the street from the Hagia Sophia is one of the most famous mosques in all of the world. It's called the Blue Mosque. It's a huge, beautiful building, 
and it was a place for the Muslims to worship, yet they felt they needed to take this over right across the street because it was a declaration to the world that we are coming back. If you look at the things that Erdogan says, you will see that he is not hiding this. He wants the restoration. And in fact, they say these words, we want to revive the Islamic Caliphate. The word revive, that's the same word. It's a beast that was gone, but has been revived once again. The Muslim people, though not every Muslim has this bloodlust within them, a lot in the Middle East do. In fact, look at some of these stories. Hundreds of Pakistani Christians flee after pastor's Facebook post entices Muslims who demand his beheading. This is not a happy place. This is not a friendly place. What was the pastor's Facebook post? Well, it was taken down, so nobody knows what the original post was, but what those who have seen it said, it was simply this, that Jesus is the only way. That kind of a Facebook post incited this mob of Muslims to threaten to burn down all of the homes of any Christians there and to demand the beheading of the pastor because they claim that it hurt their religious sentiments. See, Pakistan has a blasphemy law that favors the Muslims that says if you say anything negative, anything controversial, anything that would offend the Muslim people, you deserve to die. That is what is going on in the Middle East. Those are the kind of events that are happening. The BBC reported this, Islamic State in Nigeria beheads Christian hostages. The Christian Post reported this story, Islamic State fighters temporarily capture Nigerian military base, force residents to flee. Violence in West Africa's, um, in West Africa's Sahil places record two million people, the UN says. This is all what is happening in the Middle Eastern region. Pay attention, because this will be the rise of the empire. Now, I don't know how long it's going to take. It could take a decade. It could take two decades. It could take four decades. I don't know, but you're seeing the underpinnings. You're seeing the resurre uh, resurrection, the reviving of this empire, according to what God's word says. So the book of Daniel it says it, the first prophetic vision was this there will be a final empire. It was the Ottoman Empire, but it will be resurrected, restored, revived. It will be, the, uh, it will be revived according to Revelation 17, 8, and this is the empire that God will finally crush and destroy. Now, all of that said, quickly, I don't want to do this long because I'm out of time almost, but quickly I want to go through the second prophetic vision because Daniel's going to elaborate just a little bit more on what's going to happen that I want you to be paying attention to. Because as you see the signs of the times, it should encourage your faith, it should solidify your faith, and it should cause you to be working for the spreading of your faith until the time that Jesus returns. It is going to call us and force us to make a stand which side we are going to stand on. Now let me look at this quickly and run through these verses in Daniel chapter 7. Now here's what it says. This is the prophetic vision number 2. This was about 50 years after the vision of the statue. 
in the first year of King Belshazzar. Now, who is King Belshazzar? This is either the son or the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. It's not clear. Their historians are, are not sure which one it was exactly, but it's a relative. It's a relative of King Nebuchadnezzar. In the first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. And he had visions that passed, passed through his mind as he was on his bed. Now, Daniel, who was a wise man, he was a godly man, a righteous man, he wrote down a summary of the dream. Here was Daniel's summary. Daniel said, I was looking in my vision at night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were churning up the great sea. Four huge beasts came up from the sea, each different from the others. Now, remember, the statue was four kingdoms. Now there's four beasts. The first beast that came up was like a lion with eagle's wings. As I watched, its wings were pulled off, and it was lifted off the ground. It was made to stand upon two feet like a man, and the heart of a human was given to it. Behold, there was before me another beast. There was a second one, like a bear. It, was, it raised itself up, one on, uh, up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its feet. It was told, arise, devour much flesh. Then the next thing that would happen after that, I looked and behold, there was another one, another beast, like a leopard. On its back, it had four wings, like those of a bird. The beast also had four heads and it was given authority to rule. After this, in my vision at night, I looked, and behold, there was a fourth beast. Now, the fourth beast was terrifying. The fourth beast was frightening. The fourth beast was tremendously strong, and it had large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed, and anything that was left, it trampled with its feet. It was different from all of the other beasts that came before it. It was different because it had ten horns. While I was pondering the horns, behold, another horn, a small horn, a little horn, sprang up between them. And then three of the first horns were uprooted before it. And behold, this horn had eyes resembling human eyes and a mouth speaking boastfully. And so kind of, here's, a, here's an artist's rendition of that. And you may be thinking, I, I don't understand any of that, what's going on? Well, here's what Daniel says. There's four beasts. The first one was like a lion with eagle's wings. The second was this bear. The third was a cheetah with multiple heads, four heads. The fourth was this, this other kind of beast. It was a terrifying beast. It had 10 horns. There was a small little horn that grew up in it. It had teeth that would absolutely crush. And so this is, this is an artist's rendition of, maybe what Daniel possibly saw. Daniel goes on to say this. While I was watching, Daniel says, thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days, that is God the Father himself, took a seat. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames, its wheels a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands and thousands attended him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood beside, uh, before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Daniel says, I, I kept watching, 
because of the boastful words that the horn was speaking, that little horn that had grown up with eyes and it was speaking blasphemous words. I was, I was listening and I was watching the boastful words. The boastful means great, powerful, domineering. Picture, picture some of the speeches that Hitler gave during World War II. That's the kind of thing that he was seeing. Powerful words, boastful words, domineering words, uh, great words. I continue watching until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion had been taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching in the night visions, behold, one like a son of man, that is Jesus himself. We already saw the Father, now it's Jesus. He was coming with the clouds of heaven. Jesus, the Son of Man, approached the Father, the Ancient of Days, who was brought into his presence. Dominion, glory, and sovereignty were given to the Son of Man, that all people, all nations, all languages should serve him. His dominion, the one that came on the clouds, the Son of Man, Jesus, his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will never pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. He's going to establish a kingdom that will never pass away. That is the, the millennial rule of Jesus, the kingdom of Jesus that will never go away. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was disturbed within me, and the visions of my head alarmed me. And I approached one standing nearby and asked him the true meaning of all this. What does this mean? What, what is this dream? What is this all about? So he spoke with me and revealed the interpretation of these things. So here's the interpretation. Here's how we can apply this. These large beasts, four in number, are four kings that will rise from the earth. Remember, the statue, there were four. Four kings, the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Ottoman Empire, the four beasts, the four kingdoms that will arise, that will cover the same land over time from, for the next 2,500 years, these are the ones that would be really in control of that area for the majority of that time. They're four large beasts, they're four in number, they're four kings that will rise from the earth, but the Kedoshim, what is the Kedoshim? That is the holy ones, that is the saints, that is, if you're a believer in Christ, that's you and I. The Kedoshim, it comes from the word Kedosh, which means holy in Hebrew. The Kedoshim of the Most High, the holy ones of God, you and I, it says, will receive the kingdom. And we will possess the kingdom forever, yes, forever and ever. If you're a follower of Christ, you will be a part of his kingdom forever and ever. You will receive the kingdom. You will possess the kingdom. Daniel goes on to say this. Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast that was different from all of the others. What is the fourth beast? It is the empire that will rise at the end of all things. It was different from all of the others. It was exceedingly terrifying. It had iron teeth and bronze claws, and it broke into pieces, and it devoured everything, and then it stomped with its feet anything that remained. What is that a reference to? What is that a picture of? In your mind, Daniel could have never understood this, but you and I can, because think in your own mind of the rise of a nation, a massive military army, who in its, its tanks, armored personnel carriers, 
infantry, missiles, helicopters, planes, nuclear weapons. Picture this doing what Daniel just said when he said that this kingdom will break into pieces with its iron teeth, its bronze claws, anything that remains. And it will stamp, stomp on and it will crush everything. That's the picture of the rising up of a kingdom at the end of all things with all of that military force and that military might who is coming against its enemies, who is taking over the land in a powerful way. Of the ten horns on its head, what is the meaning of that? Well, here's the meaning. There was not only the ten horns on the head, but there was another little horn that sprung up before which three others fell. That horn had eyes and a mouth speaking arrogant things, and its appearance was more imposing than its uh, companions. What does that possibly mean? It means this, that at the end, there will be a ten-nation confederacy. You look at some of the nations like Turkey, Iran, you look at some of the, the African nations, you look at Syria and Lebanon, these places that there will be a 10-nation coalition. How do we know that they're from there? Because Ezekiel tells us exactly, and I'll show that to you next week. It tells us exactly where they're going to come from. It tells us what they're going to do and where they're going to come from and how they're going to come against Israel. But you will see these nations, a 10-nation confederacy that will join forces that will come together. When the ten nation comes together, there will be a little horn that will rise up. What is a little horn? A person who is insignificant will rise up. He will take over three of the horns, three of the kingdoms, and he will take over ultimate power. This is the Antichrist. Here's a good way to think of it. Hitler, in World War II, before World War II happened, Hitler was known as the little corporal. He had no standing. He was just a little Austrian man. He had no power and influence. But through his rise through the ranks, he was able to be appointed as chancellor by the existing president. The powers of the land of Germany voted to give Hitler by a two-thirds majority ultimate control that he could pass any law that he wanted to pass over a four-year period. During this time, after the existing president died, this Hitler, who was a little corporal, who was little and insignificant, that the world was kind of saying, oh, we don't have to worry about him. He can't do anything. What can he accomplish? He's nothing. He was the little corporal. That was his nickname. This guy rose up to power and the next thing you know, he had taken over all of Germany because he had changed the laws. He declared himself Fuhrer, and now he was implementing a blitzkrieg against Poland and then the rest of Europe. What can this little guy do? That's the same as this little horn. You will see a ten-nation coalition. One person will rise up who is insignificant, who will defeat three of the kingdoms, and he will take over ultimate control and power. But not only will he do that, he will speak blasphemous words against God. He will declare himself to be God. He will declare Allah to be God and for him to be his prophet and his servant. He will be declaring false things against God and they will be putting forth a blitzkrieg across the Middle East that the entire world will be caught up in. 
fact, it will affect everybody in this world, this power that is going to happen. Daniel goes on to say this. As I was watching, the little horn was waging war against the Kedoshim, the holy ones of God, and overpowering them until the Ancient of Days, the Father, came and judgment was rendered in favor of the Holy Ones of God. When the time came and the Kedoshim possessed the kingdom, thus he explained, the fourth beast will be different. The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on earth. It's going to be different from all of the other kingdoms. This kingdom will devour the whole earth and it will trample and it will crush it. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them, but he will be different from the previous ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak words against the Most High and will continually harass the Kedoshim of the Most High and will try to change the appointed times and law instead of following the calendar as we know it, the new calendar will be an Islamic calendar with Islamic holy days. The Kedoshim will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. What is that? A time, that's one year. Times is two years. Half a time, that's a half a year. That's three and a half years. You've probably heard those numbers before. But the court will sit and he will be stripped of his power. So something is going to happen at the end where he is going to be stripped of his power by the other nations of the world. He will be stripped of his power to be destroyed and abolished for all time. Then the kingdom, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under all heaven will be given to the people of the Kedoshim, that's you and I, of the Most High. Their kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions will serve and obey him. This is the conclusion of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and the color drained from my face, but I kept the matter in my heart. So what Daniel is seeing is the vision of the end, the vision of the end times, where you will have in the end times the preliminary events, which are the birth pains, and you will start recognizing and seeing those and they will happen more and more with greater and greater frequency and then you will see the formation. You will start to see it put together. Watch those news events. Watch those things that I told you about because as those events are coming together, you will see the formation, the underpinnings of this empire. When this empire is starting to be established and you start seeing treaties like between Turkey and Iran where they are working together, when you start seeing all of these nations lining up together and you start seeing the formation of this empire, know that now is, it's close at hand. It is about the time. In summary, here's what Daniel says. The beast empire will be a 10-nation confederacy. Watch for that. Watch for these 10 nations to coalesce. Watch for it to be established out of a, a revived Ottoman empire, which is what Erdogan's dream is. Watch for that to happen. Watch for a 10-nation confederacy to rise. Watch for an 11th person. Now, whether he is a part of one of those other nations or whether he is a separate one rising up, he's a little insignificant person. 
Maybe he's there right now. I, I don't believe it's the president Turkey, uh, of Turkey right now, but I, I wouldn't doubt if this person is on the scene somewhere. Watch for the rise of this person. It will be one who overruns three of the kingdoms and everybody else just surrender to him and he takes control. This kingdom, this beastly empire, with iron teeth and bronze claws, it's going to break in pieces. It's going to devour and trample and stomp and crush the earth. We have the weaponry today that that easily could happen. We have the abilities today, the technology today, the things today that they could overrun the world with ease. They will wage war against the Kedoshim. That's what Daniel says. War against the believers. Out of this beastly empire will come the mark of the beast. What is that going to be? I don't believe in the least that it is the vaccine. I don't even believe that it is a chip that is inserted in your hand. Do you know why that is? Because every one of you are carrying a chip already today. You call it your cell phone. Your cell phone is everything. It tracks you, it listens to you, it records the things that you say. Have you been ever talking about things like kitty litter and then all of a sudden kitty litter is showing on the ads on your phone? Maybe you don't talk about kitty litter, but that, that's an example. Have you ever done that and then all of a sudden it shows up? It's because you're already carrying the chip. I don't think that has anything to do with the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast will have everything to do with the worship of this empire. The worship of the beast of this empire. The worship of this, this ten-nation confederacy. That's where the mark of the beast will come from. The ability to buy or sell. They're already doing that. If they go into an African nation right now, or Pakistan right now, for example, if you don't follow what they say believe, they will not allow you to conduct business, to buy or to sell. It makes perfect sense. If you don't fall down and worship the way that we command you to worship, then you're going to pay the price. This resurrection, this revival, is the thing that I want you to start paying attention to. Now, what, what, what do we do with that? Number one is this. If you don't know the Lord and you start seeing these events ha happening according to what the Bible was saying, why then are you questioning the Lord? Y does that make sense? If you see the events that God predicted 2,500 years ago starting to come into place, if you see the events of Jesus talking in Matthew 24, of Daniel, of the book of Ezekiel, of the book of Revelation, and you see these events happening, why are you still keeping God at arm's length. What does he have to prove to you that he is real, he is true, he is right, and my job is to surrender to him? You will have to make a choice. There is no innocent bystanders in this. You can't be an innocent bystander. You will be forced to make a choice. Why not choose today? I want to follow Jesus. I want him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to give my heart to him, and I want to be committed to him. I want my name written in that Lamb's book of life so that one day, as he establishes his kingdom, I will be with him forever. It's a good decision to make. Heartache may happen, but it is incomparable to the joys of being with him for eternity. That's one thing I think we need to start dealing with. The second is this. 
You have loved ones. You have friends. You have people that you care deeply about that don't know the Lord. As you see these events unfolding, it should create a sense of urgency. I need to make sure that I am talking to them, that I am praying for them, that I am reaching out to them because I don't want to see them go through this and I don't want to see them suffer. So today, be encouraged because God ultimately wins. Be encouraged because the battle is going to rage, but God will be the victor. Be encouraged because if you are in him, if you know Jesus as Savior, you don't have to fear. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. And as God opens that book, he will see your name written there, and you will spend eternity with him. With all of that said, I'm going to ask us just to pray as we close out today. And I know this is a lot. I know it's a lot of deep stuff, which is why I'm going to shift gears and start doing it on a Sunday afternoon so that you can, we can really get deeply into some of these things. But I want to encourage you today with a couple of things. First, are you right with God? I make that almost every week, asking you that question. Are you right with him? Have you accepted him? Have you given your life to him? Have you asked him for the forgiveness that you need to receive from him? Secondly, do you have people in your life that you can think of right now that you just know, I need to pray for them? I, I just, I need to be in prayer every day for them because they need to know God. Are you looking for divine appointments where you can sit with them and talk with them and encourage them? Praying, God, just give me the words to say. I'm, I'm not good. I don't know what I'm going to say, but Lord, I trust you. You're going to give me the words to say, and you let God work through you as you share with them. Wherever you're at, whatever you need to pray, let's pray together today. Father, I pray today that the first decision that would be made is that we would be following you, that we would be sure that we are a part of your kingdom that our names are written in that Lamb's book of life because we have received you, we have accepted you, we have asked you to come into our hearts and into our lives. Lord, as we see these events of the world unfolding and they're just unfolding rapidly, help us again to be prepared. Help us to be wise. Help us to be discerning. Help us to make sure that our hearts are right with you. And if there's anybody here or anybody watching that has never by faith said, Jesus, please come into my life, into my heart, I pray that now would be the moment. Lord, for others, we just are thinking of loved ones and friends and people that we know that we, we care about and we don't want to see them go through the things that are going to happen. We don't want to see them buy into the lie and walk away from truth. We don't want to see them be deceived. And so, Lord, help us to be sharing, help us to be discipling, help us to be encouraging. Help us to be building people up so that they will know you. Lord, I pray for those people that we would be an effective witness as we see the days drawing near. Thank you, Father, for our time together today. Thank you for your word that encourages us. Thank you for your word that teaches us. Help us to be people of your word. We thank you and we pray these things in the name of Jesus, the Son of Man. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to that message from Journey Church. Be sure to stop by our website, journeychurchgillette.com, 
and check out past sermons and learn how to get plugged in with us. Also, if you would like to give to Journey to help us continue doing ministry in ways like this, just hit the Give button on our website to support us on this mission. Hey, I hope that you have a great day and may God bless you.